Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Uh, Today is one of those days that I'm just enjoying so much because I have the opportunity to talk to you through the podcast. As I say continually, I'm just amazed at the number of uh, places this podcast reached. Thank you all for um, just going out of your way to let friends and uh, people who are colleagues of yours know about it. Um, This week, I get to do one of those great things that I enjoy. I get to be a part of a Breaking the 200 Barrier, uh, taking uh, a group of pastors through some of the techniques and the strategies that are involved in uh, Breaking the 200 Barrier. And uh, to me, that is just such a delight and fun to watch pastors as they begin to uh, grow their organizations. So it's a great week. Uh, All that being said, uh, today I want to talk to you about things that I've learned which are very easy. Things that I've learned, which are very easy. You know, in leadership, there's a lot of things that are really, really hard. See, it's hard to show up. It's hard to show up on time. It's hard to show up prepared. It's hard to show up to do your best. And it's hard to show up to do your best for Jesus. Those things are hard. A lot of people struggle with them. But I've lived my life around the concept that you show up, you show up on time, you show up prepared, you show up to do your best, and you show up to do your best for Jesus. So those are things that are hard for some people, but they're pretty easy for me because I've created those disciplines literally over the lifetime. Uh, For many people, the idea of being a giver is a very hard thing. For me, it's not difficult because years ago, as a 14-year-old kid, I learned the principle of giving. I literally had a uh, tennis can on uh, my little chest of drawer there, and every time I got a dollar, I would find a way to get a dime and put it in there. Every time I got $10, I would find a way to get uh, a dollar and put it in there, and uh, just so on. And so at the age of 14, I learned the principle of tithing. I learned that if you honor God's house, God will always honor your house. And so for what's a struggle for many people, it's really easy for me. Giving's a pretty simple characteristic that has been created in my life just because of discipline patterns. But there are some things that I think are easy for everybody. Some things may be easier for some people and harder for others, but there are a few things that are easy for everyone. So I want to walk you through a series of them. The first one is this. It's easy to be arrogant, but you have to choose to be humble. You know, um, it's really easy to carry an attitude, to have the idea that somehow you're an exception to the rule, to think that in some way uh, this world owes you, to think that you're smarter, you're better, uh, you're more deserving than others. See, arrogance is just a modified highly advanced level of selfishness. That's all arrogance is. It is somebody who thinks selfishly. And arrogance happens because everything's about us. You know, that's what the life should really be. This world should pause. It should take notice of us. 
And arrogance is uh, just an easy thing to have because you can live your life in such a way that you think everything's about us, that everything's about where I am in life and what I'm dealing with in life and the circumstance that I'm faced with in life and the moments that I'm contending with in life and that it's just about me. And so arrogance is just taking that selfish attitude and just taking it to a level of uh, expertise that is beyond the norm. And so in our circles, we tend to say it this way. Well, you know, I want to fulfill my dream. I just want to fulfill my dream. And those words are interesting words because it's talking about your dream. But one of the things that we know was one of the fundamental prayers that our Lord and Savior prayed were these words, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And I think for everyone that arrogance ends the day that you will humble your heart and you will say, God, as much as I want everything to be my way, as much as I have an agenda that I want to achieve, as much as there are things that I believe I'm deserving of, and as much as I think I should be on the top of the pile and not on the bottom of the pile, God, not my will, but your will be done. See, it was that attitude that took Jesus to the cross. It's that attitude that was there that allowed you and me to be saved. It was not being arrogant and saying, what's best for me? What do I like? What do I want? What about my dream? As I tell people, uh, it's not my job to fulfill your dream. Sometimes you hire people and they say, well, I have this dream. And I'm thinking, it's not my job to fulfill your dream. That's not what my job is. And, And really, it's not my job to fulfill my dream. It's my job to fulfill God's dream. And as much as I think my dream is the best dream, what I've learned in life is that arrogance will stop you from fulfilling God's dream. And what I found is the happiest people are people who are not trying to fulfill their dream, but they go out of their way and they're trying to fulfill God's dream. So what I've learned is it's easy to be arrogant. I don't have to try to be. I don't have to work up. I don't have to take a course. I don't have to do something special. You just let me head down a selfish road and I'll find my way to be arrogant. It's easy to be arrogant, but I have to choose to be humble. I have to choose to humble my heart, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt me in due time. Not me exalt myself, but God exalting me. And if there's any exaltation, not according to my schedule, but according to his So I've learned it's easy to be arrogant, but you have to choose to be humble. I've also learned that it's easy to expect others to do what only you can do. It's amazing to me how we will talk about other people and say, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Why aren't they doing this? But then one of the things that uh, I've noticed is that many times the things that we can do, we don't do. And I've often thought to myself, why is it that we are so easily easily can pick out the things that other people don't do, and yet we ignore the very things that are within our scope of life that we can do? I love it. Lou Holtz, he was a great football coach, uh, a great commentator on football for years. Uh, but he talked about at Notre Dame when he was talking to some of the players 
He says, it's nobody's job to wind you up and to give you a pep talk every day. He says, if you expect every day someone to walk up to you and say, hey, Johnny, you need to get out of bed right now. Come on, Johnny. You can really do it. You can really get out of bed. Johnny, why don't you get out of bed right now? Hey, Johnny, today's going to be a good day. Hey, Johnny, uh, you know what? You're going to be able to do great things. Lou Holtz looked at his players and he says, it's not anyone's job to wind you up and to give you a pep talk. In fact, when Paul was writing to a young minister named Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that's in you. He said, why don't you just get a hold of it? Why don't you just take a step and stir up that gift? Now, you're not always going to feel like it because he later on said, I need you to preach the word and I need you to be instant in season and out. I need you to be good on the days you feel good and I need you to be good on the days that you don't feel good. I need you to show up on the days that you think everything's working, and I need you to show up on the days that you think nothing is working. See, it's no one's job to wind you up. It's no one's job to give you a pep talk. If you're going to be a leader, you have to be able to initiate life on your own terms. See, churches and being a part of a church doesn't feel like a revival every day. You know that revival when every song's uplifting and everyone's happy and everyone's engaged? That's not what church is because there's a lot of days that it looks like work. It looks like loving a person you don't want to love. It looks like being kind to someone you don't want to be kind to. It looks like forgiving someone that you don't want to forgive. It just looks like work. And see, it's easy to expect others To sort of say, oh, it's all right. You don't have to do it today. Oh, it's all right. You're going to feel better. It's all right. But I've learned it's easy to expect others to do what only you can do. Well, why doesn't someone encourage me? What I know is, is that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And there are going to be days when the only encouragement you're going to get is you better encourage yourself. And for you to manage life and leadership, there are going to be times when you're going to have to stir up your own gift. And so I've learned that it's really easy to expect others to do what only you can do. The third thing, I've learned it's easy to grow frustrated when you're on a team. You know, it's interesting that Jesus could have chosen any model possible, but the model that he chose was he chose a model of saying, I want you to work with other people. He chose 12 people and he said, hey, I want you to work together. He added 70 others, and he said, I want you to work together. On the day of Pentecost, he had 120 others, and he really directed them to work together. The thing is, it's it's easy to be frustrated when you're on a team. And the frustration's just this. Well, I'm not sure I'm getting my place. I'm not sure I'm getting my due. Um, for some of you that are old basketball fans, you'll recognize the name Kurt Rambis. Uh, Kurt Rambis was an individual that, um, let's just say he didn't have the most enhanced or advanced skills at basketball, but yet he was going to have a long basketball career. Kurt Rambis wrote this, there are people with a lot more talent than I have who've been weeded out of the league because they couldn't put their egos aside to fill a role. I love that. 
He says, there are people who are more talented than me. They're not in the league anymore because they couldn't put aside their egos and just find a place and fulfill a role. I've talked to you about it in other um, podcasts that I've had to realize the platform that I have. My platform is that I have the privilege of pastoring a great church. But in our area, it's not the church that everyone oohs and ahs about. In fact, there's about three to four others that when people come to this community, they say, well, I want to go see that church. Well, we're not the one that people want to go see. Or people say, that's the church I want to visit. I've seen it on TV. Well, we're not on TV, so we don't get that kind of person. As I like to tell people, we're not on the uh, the circuit. We have to create our own Christians. That's why we're so such advocates of getting people saved. But I know it's easy to grow frustrated because you feel like you're overlooked. You feel like you're not being esteemed. You feel like you're not being valued. It's just an easy thing. It's easy to be that way. But the truth of the matter is when you're on a team, your job is to make the team better, not you better. John Wooden, who was probably the most remarkable basketball coach in college of all times, he tells the story of having recruited probably one of the finest athletes that has ever been. And this athlete had the unique ability when he was on the court to do amazing things. But John Wooden wouldn't play him much. And one time, this kid had been in the game, he came out, and he's sitting right next to John Wooden. And he looked at John Wooden, and he said, you know I'm the best player out there. And John Wooden looked at him and said, I know you're the best player out there, but we're not the best team when you're out there. I've seen people who were so confident that they were the best that they forgot that there are times when it's not you being your best, it's you making other people better. And so in my particular case, I pastor a great church that I love and I admire and I have great people at it. But we're not the largest, we're not the most dynamic church in our area. But yet our church has impact all over the nation and all over the world. In fact, it's amazing that our impact in our community is one size, but our size around the nation is disproportionate. But the reason our size around the nation is disproportionate is because we go out of our way to help every church that we can. It's my philosophy. Help everyone that you can, whenever you can, however you can. And for me, that happens with churches. And so it's easy to grow frustrated when you're on a team because you think someone else is getting the attention. But your job is to make the team better, not you look better. I've learned it's easy to be offended, but I have to choose to let go. I've been with people on some of the darkest days. Some of you, I've told the story of a young man who literally lost his entire family. And I poured my heart into that young man. And that young man is a good man, and I admire him to this day. But there came a time when that young man ended up moving on. And I get it. Um, Everything in our church was a memory to what he had been through. And I get that. I understand that. But I remember the day that he moved on, how much it bothered me because I had 
poured my heart into him. I'd given him my best. In fact, I'd given him my best and my family got second best because of the trauma he was in. But it was in the middle of that that as much as I was bothered, I had to choose to let go. Even though there was no card, even though there was no ending conversation, it was just a set of keys left in a door one day. That was going to be the ending. I'm sitting there and I just said, I understand for that man to go on. He's got to really move on from this location. And he did, and he's doing well, and I'm so proud of him. But at the moment, it was really easy to be bothered because I had disproportionately poured my heart into him. But in leadership, you can either hold on to the past or you can move on to the future. And I know it's easy to be offended. Another thing, it's easy to grow comfortable. So you got to force yourself to grow. I taught my staff meeting today and I walked them through just a look at what the standard team looks like. And I used a sort of a art form to try to convey to them. But at every level, whether you're at the bottom level or you're at the mid level or you're at the top level, it required you to keep growing. Now, what I know is that growth takes initiative. It takes energy. It takes activity that you can't just sit down and grow. The only things that grow naturally are weeds. But if you're going to grow something other than being a weed, you've got to grow intentionally. And what I know is <clears throat> that to grow, it's time and it's an expense. In fact, what I'll tell you is that the higher you go in leadership, the more valuable time you have to give up to grow. And the higher you go in leadership, the more expensive growth moments will be. And I get asked sometimes, well, what grows me? What I can tell you is I pay a lot of money to put myself in growth moments. Because I am a high-capacity leader, it means I have to go to high-capacity moments and sit there and learn. So when I go to the Wharton School of Business, a place that I don't deserve to be, and I hear them teach leadership, it's a pretty remarkable thing, but it forces me to grow. When I go to the Harvard School of Business and listen to some of the finest instructors speak, it forces me to grow. But it requires time that I don't have and money that I do not want to give. And so it's easy to grow comfortable, so you have to force yourself to grow. Now, this whole lesson is that most of leadership isn't easy. You have to do things you don't want to do when you don't want to do them. We call that discipline. You have to keep doing things and you have to keep doing them over and over again. We call that diligence. And if you take discipline and you take diligence and you put them together and you do those two things repeatedly where you've developed good disciplines and you're diligent to do them every day. It may not be the first day, it may not be the second day, it may not be the third day, may not be the first month, second month, third month, may not be the first year, second year, third year, it may not be the first decade, second decade, but one of the things that you're going to find is this, is somewhere down the line someone's going to say, man, you're great at this. And what I found a long time ago is greatness 
is just being good every day. And being good means you're going to have to be uncomfortable. Because what I've found is being uncomfortable is always the first sign of growth. Five things. It's easy to be arrogant, but you have to choose to be humble. It's easy to expect others to do what you only can do. It's easy to grow frustrated when you're on a team. It's easy to be offended, but you have to let go. And it's easy to be comfortable, so you have to force yourself to grow. Just some simple thoughts. Hey, I want to remind you of uh, my webpage, Gerald Brooks Ministry. And um, on Thursday of this week, so this will probably be put out tomorrow on Wednesday, we'll be doing the Breaking the 200 Barrier. If you're in the Dallas area or you're in that circumstance, can I tell you, this will help you. So I want to encourage you to come and to be a part of it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.